Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. This is Heather, and finally got Travis back on with us. Yay! Um, yay, Travis has a new name. I do. Introduce yourself, new Travis. My new name is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> My new name is Travis Manly, Woo! And because manly. I'm very manly. <laughs> but for As real, why? Tell. I got married. It was supposed to be a it was supposed to be a secret, but it didn't last big secret. I noticed that. Um, one <laughs> week you told me it was a secret, and then the next week it was all over Facebook, and you changed your name already. Yeah, that's kind of how it happens. People nice. post things, and I was like, "Oh, I guess this is this is what it is now." Yeah. <laughs> Losing this fight. <laughs> Welcome to being married, but I'm Ching. Uh, what, what? <laughs> You're also really tan. Thank you. I'm trying really hard at it. I'm a ginger. I have to Sunny work. Nebraska. I have to work for it. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> try very hard not to because I burn so fast. I used so to. hard. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, mine's, I get, it's bad. It's no good. Nobody wants it. Um... <laughs> So, Travis, we're going to talk about a Dan Hodgins quote. Um, I love Dan. He's great. Yeah. Um, So this is, I don't know what it's from. I just, um, wait, it's probably from his book, Get Over It, which is amazing. And anyone who has ever been asked a question about guiding children's behavior or has asked a question about helping children with their behavior should commit this book to memory in its entirety. Say it one more time. <laughs> the name of the book? Yes. <laughs> get over it. It's called Get Over It. It's an ebook. I think you can only get it through Dan's site now. <coughs> so, Dan Hodgins, H O D G I N S. Go find it. But here's the quote. <laughs> All right. Adults working with young children waste a great deal of energy engaging in conflict with them under the guise of discipline. Mm. I agree. I think this is. <laughs> I think this will be another one where you and I agree. Yes, it is. <laughs> and just tell stories about why, why we're right. I think I think for the <laughs> most part, it's it's harder to realize this when you're teaching in a classroom than it is when you're an administrator. Um, oh, okay. I think the second you become an administrator, you have a lot of license to kind of figure this out. Mainly because you get all the complaints about how stressed out people are <laughs> and how stressful this job is. And I I think this is an important job and it's a job that needs to be taken seriously. And I think it's a job that's overworked and underpaid. But if you were to ask me, directly teaching children should not be a stressful job. It should not I be agree. a stressful job at all. You should be enjoying it while you're doing it. 
You should be enjoying it while you're at home reflecting on it. <laughs> and if I go to a bar one more time and somebody looks at my kid, uh, my tattoo that says, let kids be kids, and they say, oh, well, I'm a teacher, and if you were a teacher, you wouldn't think that oh I God. will strangle somebody. Yeah. It's the worst. The worst thing ever is hearing teachers at a bar bitching about teaching. It's yeah. the worst thing ever. Or about children. Yeah, most of the time I just want to say, like, if it's that stressful, why are you still doing it? Right. Or if it's that stressful, maybe you need to change the way you're doing it. And that, for a lot of these people who think their job is the most stressful thing in the world, is like a slap in the face. And I understand why, but at the same time, it's like, you got to hear it. (laughs) It's one of those things that somebody has to tell you. It's like when I see parents slapping their kids at Walmart, I go up and say, you probably shouldn't do that. Is it my business? No, but I'm going to say it because somebody needs to hear it. And that kid needs to hear from someone else that right. it's not acceptable. And maybe the other teacher in that scenario who's being bitched at is going to hear that and think, well, maybe it doesn't need to be yeah. such a stressful job anyway. Yeah. But I think but when you're a teacher, I would definitely say if somebody walked up to me and said, this job shouldn't be as stressful as it is, as it is. definitely when I was a teacher and I was, bit, I was told that I needed to be more structured and all this stuff, I probably would have slapped them in the face for telling me that. <laughs> yeah, I get. I know what you're saying. I agree with that. I really do. I think, though, there's an element in any profession, probably, but especially in teaching, I've noticed there's an element of of a, of the adulthood in that profession that feels like that makes it sound more glamorous, or they get some sort of. Um, satisfaction out of feeling like it's the hardest job in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they aren't, they maybe aren't going to be willing to hear what you're saying, but if we're just doing, I think it goes back to our doggy daycare episode. If we're, (laughs) if we're looking at what do kids need and what are they doing themselves at the age when they're with me, what do these individuals specifically need from me and just focus on that, then the job's not all that stressful. But if we, sure. if we go into it, I mean, there's still moments where like the noise gets to you or you're just tired that day. Um, that's going to feel stressful. And I don't want anybody to feel like if they've ever experienced stress in a classroom that I'm saying they're automatically a terrible teacher. Yeah, that's the worst thing is to is especially again, like I said, if I were a teacher, an administrator came up to me and said, your job shouldn't be this stressful as I'm like wrist deep in literal <laughs> shit. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to be as receptive to that. But if I'm talking about the conflicts that I'm having with children or behavior issues and I'm saying that that's what's stressing me out uh-huh. and I'm not taking a minute to think about what I'm doing to make it worse, then it's something that I've got to hear. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I um recently was in a conversation with a woman who works with um 3 and 4 year olds. And um uh, she's she's been doing it a while, and she was asking me how. Basically, the question really was, how do I get him to listen? He just won't listen. They never listen. Which, for one thing, that drives me bonkers because what you mm-hmm. mean is he doesn't immediately stop everything and do what I said the second I say it, um, without any sort of reflecting about what we said, why we said it, and whether it's appropriate to expect yeah. it of him. So I said, well, that's really broad. Um, I can't really help you solve a problem like how do I get him to listen, but let's talk about specifically what kinds of things he's doing that you want some help with. And it was stuff like coming when I tell him to come over here and 
um, stopping things when I tell him to stop things and um, uh, not hitting and not running and not climbing. And I said, well, my advice, my answer to your question then is wait 20 years. Yeah. That's how you, that's how you get yeah. to do those things. You wait 20 yeah. years because he's not doing anything that's not typical and should be expected and is not really wrong yeah. in and of itself. For yeah, the real, the real question in that is, are you really saying that he's not listening to you or are you saying that he's not complying with your demands? Exactly, which was stressing everybody out, that attitude that my job here is to get them to comply. Um, mm. They were creating stress for themselves, and I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I would say, like, one of the things that people are starting to do more often now in their adult relationships are being really um, understanding about how other people phrase things. And so one of the things that I know that a lot of therapists are telling people to do is to acknowledge what people say more often Uh um, saying like, I hear you. I acknowledge what you're saying. Even if what, even if a demand that they're making isn't exactly something that you're going to comply with. Yeah. Like I understand you. I understand why you want this, but this is not what we're going to do. And this is what therapists are telling adults to do with each other. Now, if only we could get adults and children to <laughs> comply with this the same way. Because yeah. like, if you're really upset that a kid's not listening to you, like if they are ignoring you, if, they're, if, they're, if you're saying things to them and they're just ignoring you, uh-huh. you can have a conversation with that kid about, can you just at least look at me so, I under, so that I know that you yeah. heard me? Like, if it's a demand, obviously, that's not something that really needs to get into that kid's skull. Mm -hmm. But if it's something like you're asking them a question about their needs and they're just ignoring you, could you at least acknowledge that that you heard me? Because I need to know if you're going to eat today. I can't just let you not eat. Yeah, I, I was. If gonna you're say, not going to eat, I need to know that you are saying <laughs> that you're not going to eat, and I need to make sure that you're understanding me. And this is something that uh, teachers who work specifically with children with autism mm-hmm. are being taught to do now too, because a lot of times we don't know if those kids are hearing what we're saying, and that's the real thing. Everybody needs to be heard in those scenarios. Uh-huh. Um, so if you're really concerned about needs being met, like do you need water, and they just don't answer then that's a real concern where you should go to your administrator and say, I don't think he's hearing me. I think that listening, the difference between listening and hearing, they should just be the same word. Yeah. Listening goes on the list of words we should stop using in with young children for me. And I think too, you know, all of the things you just said, but also think then, okay, is there something about the way that I'm asking or the way that I'm positioned or the distance I am from this child um, that is contributing to the not listening or not hearing? So, um, because I know sometimes two people are really quick to jump to, um, oh, I think he has a special need. He, he doesn't even acknowledge when I talk to him. Well, are you yelling across the room or are you going over, getting on their level, making sure that they know that you're talking to them and then say whatever it is you need to say to them. Right. I think it's one of those things where we have to ask ourselves, should I be expecting children to blank and so if we're going to split off this concept of listening because a lot of teachers will say hearing is one thing listening is doing something and that's false that's stupid that's not real so (laughs) what i think you need to do is take that word listening and split up the hearing part and the doing part okay should this should this child be hearing me developmentally yes they should be hearing you (laughs) if they're not then there's there might be something we need to address and that's something you should be complained or stressed about is making sure that they can hear you Uh 
doing no that should not be part of what you want them to be expected to do Uh um doing something because of something you say to them is such a such a big concept and then it also can be a dangerous concept with if it's used inappropriately because this whole thing about adults need to listen or children need to listen to adults is scary, right? And that's how a lot of children wind up in abuse situations, right? We spend so much time in those early years, especially saying, "Don't say no to me," and "Don't talk back to me," and "Don't tell adults no," and "How dare you resist this?" But then we send them out of the house, and we're like, "Say no to drugs," and "Don't let anybody touch you bad," and "Don't go in a car right. with a stranger," and if someone's doing something to you, you tell me. And and they're just their brains are just not quite that sophisticated yet, right? Um, right. Which that that's been a pet peeve for a long time. That don't you right. say no to me, um, right? But it's an, it, the phrasing of what we're asking and how we're asking is an inter- an interesting point too because we have um, childcare jargon that teachers slip into and providers slip into that we feel like is making it easier for the child or sounding more polite, but what we're doing is making it more confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, so even just saying, no, 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 stop, is not enough sometimes. You need to throw mm-hmm. in the child's name that you're talking to. You need to tell them what you want them to do. You need to move close to them so they know that you are talking to them. One thing that has been driving me bonkers lately, and I don't know if you hear this, but I've heard it in several settings, and it's the the mystery to me is where does this come from, and how does it spread into our childcare culture so quickly? Um, but I but I've heard this. I heard it in a lot of from a lot of people at the conference I went to in April, saying no thank you when you're trying to get a kid to stop doing something. So you know a kid is climbing on the table, and we just say, oh Travis, no thank you, Travis, no thank you, no thank you, Travis, and that's all we do. And and, mm-hmm. and I heard one person say it, and I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. And then suddenly it was everywhere. And then I went to this mm-hmm. conference, and people were telling me that they were hearing it in their classrooms. Where does that stuff come from? And why is it so much harder? Why yeah. is it hard to get them to say no? Just say, I won't let you climb on the table and take them off the table and give them something else to right. climb. Right. I think, well, and I really think that's one of those uh, horrible... I need to make this look nicer than it is situations. So um, I know for a fact, the one of the first child care centers I worked in, and I have to say one of the, so that they don't come after me. Me I'm getting so skilled at saying, I've been doing this a long time and I've been in a lot of programs. (laughs) One of the first child care centers I worked at, um, it was always very mean, angry people in order to accomplish this word, no, they would say some really mean things around it. It would sound really mean coming out of their mouth. Just the word, no, it would never be. No, thank you. The second a parent walked in an administrator walked in or the licensing walked in, it was always okay. No, thank you. And obviously it just like the whole place devolves into chaos because they're like, why is the teacher suddenly, why is this teacher who's so mean to us suddenly being so nice? Let's get away with everything we possibly can. Well, their tyranny is on pause. There are witnesses. We can do this. <laughs> right. And that's that's also really sad because that's just kind of proof of the whole thing where it's like, if you're going to be strict and authoritative with children, that's only going to last as far as you are present or that behavior or as that aura is present. Yeah. The second that goes away, they're going to be off doing drugs in the corner. Like, that's. Right. 
Like, that's just the way it is. You have to build respectful relationships if you really want them to behave like social human beings in the future. Right. <clears throat> because eventually they're going to be too big and you're not going to be able to physically control. Right. So influence will be all you have. And if you yeah. spent no time building a relationship, then you are not going to be able to influence. And that goes for parenting, too. Yeah. And if your relationship has always been you being, you the adult being so inconsistent and so antisocial in the way you handle things and conflict especially, then that's the way that they're going to be. Yeah. That's the way that they're going to be. And I know that there's a lot of studies being done about this, especially with like schools that are really underfunded in the school to prison pipeline. Uh That's just kind of the way it works. Those teachers stressed out as they may be with all of the expectations they have as far as clerical stuff and then the expectations they have with the children they've got there they will they can blame the parents all they want but if they are also exhibiting a lot of antisocial behaviors with these kids then they're just contributing to the problem right so that's another thing that i that i hear is do i need to help you like it's a threat when a child's struggling with behavior is like well duh you need to help me I'm <laughs> right. two years old why is that a threat isn't that your job right. <laughs> right well and that's one of the that's something that i do specifically um when i feel like i want to say that <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody is um doing something that they should not be doing like if they're hitting somebody if they've grabbed a weapon they're just going around smacking every possible kid they can <laughs> It'll be a it'll be a question. Is it like can are we going to stop doing this or can I hold on to it for a second and talk to you about it? Uh-huh. Like if you have a rule where kids aren't allowed to climb on something, it shouldn't be. Do you need help getting down? It should be. Am I do you do you need me to come over there? Do uh-huh. you need assistance? Like it shouldn't be. Do I need to help you? Right. It's it not a threat. It. It should be. Can you get down on your own or can I help you? Yeah. It's it, here's your choice. You can get like, down, or I will get you down. Like, it's okay if you threat. have rules. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I guess it's okay if you have rules that kids can't climb on things, but that's usually the time that I hear those threats. Yeah. Is, it's, when, it's when the teacher doesn't want to have to go help them, right. and they're giving this threat as if if they have to go help them, there's going to be hell to pay. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> there's a dot, dot, dot at the end of that question. Right. That makes me a little right. nervous sometimes. Um I, I hear it a lot during routine stuff like hand washing and walking from A to B or getting ready to go outside or something like that. Like, well, oh, and picking up toys. Oh, God, don't even get me started. Well, too late. I'm started. Picking up toys is like, I get that a lot of places it's important to have that routine because a lot of rooms aren't specifically built up to constantly have clutter everywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. There are times in the day where we ask the kids to clean up, and if they don't, we if we have specifically good relationships with these kids, we'll like go over and be like, "Can I help you?" and like joyfully, gleefully help them pick up toys with their own hands, like their little puppets. That's that's fun. That's exciting for both people because it's like, okay, we're accomplishing this thing, and it's, it's funny fun now. for both of us. Yeah, it's a, it's a game it's, for both of us. It's now. funny because of your relationship. For some right. kids, that would be dehumanizing, yeah. demeaning, right. not funny. Yeah. Right, exactly. So <laughs> you, it's that's what's important about the relationship mm-hmm. is that you can do that. You have to be funny about it, and it has to be gleeful and joyful, and you have to know that the child is okay with it and consenting to you using their body like that. But 
conversely or adversely, yeah. if you're doing this as a threat, as if it's like, as if, oh, if you're not going to do it, then I'm going to make you do it. Right. That's scary. That's abusive. That's not okay. Yeah. And it adds stress to your day. It's, right. It adds to your own state of mind, mental well-being. All of that stuff is affected because that negativity you just brought in um, yeah. is is hard to undo for both. And you just created a rift. You just created a big rift yeah. in this relationship. And rebuilding that is not as easy as a lot of people think. Yeah. Because you, you can make that, that kid can be like cuddling up to you two hours later that rift is still going to be there and how you made them feel during that moment is going to exist and persist when they think back on it or the next time it's time to clean up. Uh-huh. They're going to be afraid of you. Yep. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a good relationship. Right. And, and honestly, the fact that a child will sit on your lap or hug you or want you to do something with them is not necessarily an indicator that you have a good positive relationship. That's an indicator that a child has a need and you're the one in the room. Yeah. <laughs> So it doesn't always mean, well, they're fine because he always wants me to hold him at nap time. So I think that means he's fine. It's not bothering him. Right. That's not always the case. Except the thing that you're forgetting is that whatever you said to cause this rift is now going to be in his internal self conversation forever. Right. Forever. Right. And he may not say, oh, this is because of Heather and that block cleanup thing. Right. It's going to just going to just be there. Right. So, um, I, you know, I said earlier in another recording session, we have we have such a tremendous responsibility because we know that everything we're doing with the children we're working with is going to has the power to affect them for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And if if it's driving us crazy that they aren't listening or that we're having all these power struggles or that, um, you know, they're three, but they're not acting like 18, like I expect them to. Then we need you need to get out because this is what this is what it's about. It's about working with children. Children are messy. Sometimes they're difficult. They're lacking in some skills, and that's what we're supposed to be there for. But so many people get so frustrated and stressed if they have to put any effort into those situations, and the kids right. don't just automatically acknowledge your power over me. Mm-hmm. Um, then then we should be checking the. The want ads, as we used to right. say in the old days. Right. <laughs> I don't think there are want ads anymore. But. See, my dog agrees. Right? I knew he would. <laughs> I think the garage door is opening. That's why he's freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, we can pause or we can talk through the dog. We can talk right through it. He shouldn't bark that much. Excuse <laughs> Once me. that door opens, he'll why, know what's going on. Why was it your dog listen, Travis? <laughs> Just tell your dog to stop it. It's not in his nature. Oh, yeah. yeah. And even, I'm going to rant about this a little bit more. Even Because you've mentioned a couple times that teachers are under a lot of pressure. And there are a lot of expectations, whether that's to complete a lot of paperwork or to have kids meeting certain standards or whatever. They signed up for it. Yeah, exactly. That's not an excuse not to do the stuff we know children need. That's that's the reality. Okay, the job. If that's true, and those expectations are you, and sometimes I don't think they really are. I think that individual is the one putting that expectation on them. But if that's true, that just means you've got to find a way to do all of it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you get to pick and choose. And if you were picking and choosing, why would the kids not be the winner? Right. (laughs) If you could pick and choose, why do you choose? 
the stuff that makes you crazy. Yeah. It's perhaps I'm being too harsh. Yeah. No, I mean, really, you sign up for this. Like, a lot of people will be like, oh, I've got this four-year degree in teaching, and I'm not making enough money, and it's like, that wasn't a secret. It's not, like, <laughs> who, who that, you, you spent that whole, yeah, yeah, that whole four years you spent doing <laughs> training for this moment, nobody ever said, well, hey, this is not going to be a very rewarding career financially. Like, nobody ever said that to you, or you're just... Or you're just one of the courses, signing up to be upset. One of the courses in an undergrad early childhood program should be finding yourself a sugar daddy. Right. Because <laughs> right. you're not going to get it on your own. <laughs> Right. For real. It's, I mean, it's not fair. It's not fair, but it's not not fair also. Right. It's I mean, it's ideal. just kind of the way things I are. Sure, I sure wish it was different. If I had a magic wand that I could wave around and make the job easy to just focus on the children and children easy to manage every day and you take home a great paycheck, I'd do it, if for nothing else, so I don't have to hear the complaining anymore. <laughs> right, and then also this this job, if you're doing it well, is like a foot in the door for a lot of other careers that I don't think people recognize a lot. Like, it sets you up with skills that you can use in a lot of different careers that could pay you more if you really hate it that much. Tell me more. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm having one of those months where... <laughs> oh, I can, I can tell you right now, you can get into the career of property management real easy from doing this. Giving tours to prospective parents oh, is the exact sure, yeah, same yeah. thing as giving tours to, like, an apartment or a house... <laughs> <laughs> I don't really dealing that. dealing with angry parents and then resolving conflicts uh, can get you in any customer service. Yeah, like it's just you. If you hate it that much, use the skills that you're learning and go somewhere else with it. Yeah, take take the things that you really like and build a different career around it because it's not going to work here if you're just constantly going to be stressed out. Sure. Okay, I get you now. I got it. I made life. A little bit uncomfortable for three separate AT&T customer service reps a couple days ago. <laughs> they probably wish they were working with terrible children. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I, you can't... And I know a lot of people that have previously worked for me, for me who things didn't work out for, are all of a sudden they're all real estate agents. Oh, yeah. So... It's like. Yeah, it didn't work out for you, and you learned from it, and now you found a different career that may be a better fit for you. Yeah, so our challenge for you listeners is, if anything we're saying is making you uncomfortable, check out Realty. Right. <laughs> check it out. <laughs> that might be the field for you. So yeah. now we've got a bunch of realtors who suddenly accidentally stumbled across the podcast and are listening and they're pissed <laughs> that we suggest... <laughs> <laughs> playing with babies makes you qualified to do their job yes it does <laughs> um, pretty much a piece of if a piece of paper can qualify you for a job then anything can qualify you for any job yeah, exactly yes <laughs> okay so I want to I want to go back to the quote for a minute there was a quote <laughs> there was a quote about? we started with yeah you're supposed to be on board with something yeah and it was from, <laughs> it was from Dan um Here's, so Dan also has a podcast. I'll throw that out too, in case people aren't aware that the Shake and Bones podcast is the same Dan that we were talking about here. Um, and he 
He says a lot of things that I wish I'd heard early on in my work with young children. Because I wasted a lot of time trying to play this game that um, the way that I, and I think this is from you, the way that I used to play school as a child was what I really wanted my classroom to be when I came in working with two-year-olds. And that was unrealistic. Because playing school is power play. Exactly, yeah. So, So how do we... How do we get out of that power mindset that that makes our days so crazy? The idea that because I'm the adult, everything should go my way and children should bow to my whims um, because that will make them a better person. I mean, even if we're saying this is a good intention, it's going to make things easier. The sooner they accept adult power, the easier it will be for them. Yeah, I think taking, taking the weight of I need to be in control of all this off of your shoulders really starts with learning how to breathe properly. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding you. Uh-huh. This is how it this is how it started for uh-huh. me. Okay. Was that I would get so hung up with all the stress of having to be a structured person and <laughs> suddenly I was like breathing really short, not even noticing it oh. and I wouldn't be able to do anything because I was essentially useless. I said essentially. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but we're that, we're that, 30 minutes in. So that's I, I, I was useless after the point that I felt like I was out of control. And I think letting go of it starts with being able to breathe. And I think a lot of people just knowing that can solve a lot of conflicts in their lives and in the lives of the children by just saying, you're not breathing right. <laughs> this is not how... This is not how you're supposed to breathe. Because yeah. I don't think I don't think we were ever around people in our in our youths who really knew how to breathe either. It's actually a clinically understood fact that we're not breathing the way that we used to. We're a lot of we're a lot about breathing through our mouths and then short breaths through our nose when we're upset instead of uh-huh. instead of deeper breaths in through our nose and out through our mouth. Uh-huh. Like so, I you know what, I think this could be a beautiful thing. Because I think this could this could be a beautiful community building thing in a classroom or a home with children and, and an adult who's taking care of them, is if we we allow the children to remind us to breathe. Right. Like if, if well, we built into our, our daily work, if you see me doing this, tell me to breathe. Right. It's okay for kids to say that to me. That would be beautiful. This is one of the things that I really like about conscious discipline is they take that a little bit of a step further. They have a song that you can sing in the morning. If you have group time, if you have circle time or whatever you have, um, any kind of music time, you sit down in a circle. They have a song that Becky Bailey has uh-huh. called the star song where it's stop, take a deep breath and relax. Uh-huh. And it's catchy. Kids will catch on to it really fast. There are times or if I look really stressed out, a kid will be like, be a star. We'll come up to me, be a star. Stop, take a deep breath, and relax. And, I mean, we've got videos. I think I have a couple videos on our um, on my preschool's Facebook page from, like, a year or so ago uh-huh. where we had videotaped the kids singing this song. Because if you watch them, they'll stop in this. They'll be singing, then they'll stop in this song and just, like, close their eyes like they're doing fucking yoga or something. <laughs> in through the nose and out through the mouth. Awesome. And yeah, it's one of those things that's all if you if that's gonna be what's in their internal conversation when they're really upset, that's a that's a good thing. And I get that it's I get for a lot of people unison singing with children, they don't like it for whatever reason, but this is one of those times where it's like I don't see where it can do harm. Yeah. So so can we talk about conscious discipline for a little bit? Yeah. Sure. In a, in a way that won't get us into any kind of legal trouble. 
Oh, I've talked about it enough. <laughs> because I'll be I'll be honest, there's a lot that I really like when I see bits and pieces from Conscious Discipline. Um, I think it's on the right track, but I have a knee-jerk, automatic, negative response to anything that I see as a product that's that's, right. that's trying to sell me something. So, well, that's the moment that you stop. Yeah, um, but but there are things that like that sounds amazing to me. A song that yeah. that we have together yeah. as a joyful experience. Again, not a crisscross applesauce bubbles in your mouth. I'm going to sing this song and you'll sing it with me or you'll be quiet um, way. But in a let's come together. And, and sing this song that helps us. Yeah. Kind well, of- then conscious discipline is one of those things that um, really its primary use is supposed to be with elementary school students. Uh-huh. Um, and it was built around expectations and structures that already exist in the school system. Okay. Um, because, I mean, it's a business. <laughs> if I mean, if conscious discipline is going to create something that's around play-based programs, they're not going to get very far as a business. There aren't enough play-based programs in there, and a lot of them are not going to provide the grant money to buy this program and get it implemented. What conscious discipline can do when it's kind of, I mean, in a way it's thrown its hands up in the air and said, well, if we can't change the actual system, then we might as well tweak parts of the system to make it a little bit better. And there are parts that I agree with a lot, parts I don't agree with, but it's the way that conscious discipline can transform a, a school is, I mean, we've yeah. seen it before. It's really amazing. Yeah. But, but if, you, we, if we're if we trying to do what's best for children just totally outright, we wouldn't need to do it. I mean, we wouldn't have to jump through half the hoops that conscious discipline sets up. And yeah. I don't think it's necessarily their fault. I right. think that it's mostly about what... They're trying to do provide workarounds and loopholes through the system that already gotcha. exists okay. for teachers to make things easier. Okay, so to me it sort of sounds like, because this this is the, the difficulty I have when I'm talking to people about helping children with their behavior, is that they want a recipe. They want when A happens, we do B, and when C happens, we do E. And they want a recipe to follow, and I get that, because not everybody is at an experience level or an education level where they have all of the possible options at their fingertips to think through, or they haven't ever been given an experience or a coach to say, well, when you write a letter, when a child writes their, a letter backwards in their name, how do you help them learn to do it better? Well, we model right. and, we, and we practice and whatever. So how can we translate that into helping children right. with behavior? And I think not everybody can make that yet. And maybe it goes to the, the four stages of teacher development, from, that Tiffany and I talk about a lot is that in in that survival stage they need specific feedback with specific techniques. So maybe that's where something like right. conscious discipline falls in. Yeah, but, but it doesn't stop there. It meets it fills that gap until they are able to work it. Well, yeah, yeah. What I what I had talked about earlier about how teachers and adults in our childhoods and in childhoods of children today are creating a lot of antisocial habits for these children. That doesn't stop with today, obviously, or yesterday, or years and years ago. We all have a lot of very antisocial habits and behaviors in ourselves that we have to recognize. And so I think one of the, one of the awesome things about, develop, or about um, taking on conscious discipline as a script for yourself uh-huh. is that it helps you recognize and change the habits that you have. So a lot of times people will say, a lot of times there will be programs where in their training modules for teachers, they will say, um, you need to praise children who are doing good things. And then, uh, and then the ones who are doing bad things will 
just stop because they want to please you so bad. And that's the, and that's where conscious discipline takes kind of a, a better approach to that, where it's when you see a child doing something good, you walk up to them face-to-face. You don't make it a big scene so that everybody watches it and gets jealous. You say, you just blank. That makes me so blank. Right. And that was one of the things because I would have never had the skills to do, like, I would have never been able to think of that on my own. I had to keep that somewhere in my head all the time when I was learning how to be a little less hard on children. Uh And I had to say, I would walk up to them and say, you just helped your friend up. That makes me so happy. That probably makes her so happy. Thank you. And then then we're good. We can walk away from that. And you make them feel good inside. And then that's a better approach to continuing that. The red flag for me there is... It has to be authentic. I agree 100% with what right. I just said. But then if we have a teacher who said, because I think the flips, I always talk about emotional blackmail. And I think mm-hmm. that's a harsh concept for someone to wrap their head around, especially if I'm telling them that they're doing it. That's really <laughs> hard for them to accept. But it's that, oh, that makes me sad when you don't clean up right. toys. And that's not what you're talking about. I want to be clear. You're, you're mm-hmm. talking about an honest, authentic acknowledgement of something specific. So I did a lot of, I've been working in a a classroom with three-year-olds a lot in the last couple of weeks, and I'm just doing a lot of, hey, high five for being friendly. Yeah. (laughs) uh, High five for helping him with that paper and just, and moving on and that's it. And it's not, oh, I like how Sarah helped her friends by getting paper off the shelf for them. I wish the rest of you would do that. That drives me crazy. Right. And I would also go as far to say that we shouldn't be offering how things make us feel for things that aren't done to us. Sure. Like, I mean, if it, I mean, if a child is being helpful, doing something helpful to another child, we can definitely say that makes me happy because we're it's happening in our classroom and it's happening because of stuff that we're teaching or lessons that we're learning every day. Right. Uh, and it's happening it's happening because good relationships are being built. That's something that we can say, Oh, well, I'm so happy about, yeah. but if a child hits another child and you go, Oh, that makes me so sad before you ever say anything about right. look at her face. Look how sad she looks. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's like, you're, you're creating this situation where you you're upset that this person didn't care about that person. So they smacked them. Mm-hmm. And then you're, and you're saying, I don't care about them either. It just makes me sad. That's not, <laughs> that's not a great lesson to be <laughs> teaching. Right. And because honestly, in that moment, even if that's true, it made the teacher sad that he smacked that kid. It's not because the kid got hurt that the teacher's sad. It's because you defied my control. And now I'm, and you're not right. sad. You're mad. I mean, let's be honest right. about feelings right. too. <laughs> Ugh. It's, yeah, all these all these unnecessary conflicts. There, way that, to bring it back that, to the quote. <laughs> well, I mean, that's all. That's all it really is. Yeah. I have I have an article on my progressive perceptors website about. <laughs> so I don't even remember what it's called, but it's about a day that I was I was pretty much alone with this one child who was just kind of like we were playing around, playing around, playing around. And then he took it a little bit too far Mm. and I then took it even further. And then we just kept going back and forth about taking it further. And it was like, this is, this is what it is. This is a, an unnecessary conflict where I think I'm being a good disciplinarian Uh and in reality. And this was even after I had become more play-based, like more play-based and more understanding of emotions and uh, more mindful about how I interact with children 
And I honestly, this is one of those situations where I was still following all those set rules that I have for myself uh-huh. uh, and mindfulness, but I was still just not, <laughs> I was still kind of missing the mark on it. Right. And then I know I've talked to you on this podcast before about um, a time where I, ref- like this this young girl was just refusing to do what I said and we took kept she kept taking it a step further i kept taking it a step further <laughs> and until a point where she just decided to wet herself and scream for the entire rest of the oh, day right. for six hours yeah. straight yeah it's like who oh, won definitely who been, wins with that yeah i've definitely <laughs> been peed on in a power struggle with a child right. Adults, right. adults very rarely come out of a power struggle having won and i say that with air quotes because who knows mm-hmm. what winning means for an adult in a power right. struggle but i would i reckon it's okay to say adults very rarely come out of a power struggle feeling good about things, whether they right. won or lost or got their way or whatever it is. I just can't imagine that that's a proud moment for many adults there, to say, yes, I totally broke that three-year-old. <laughs> right. Well, and I unfortunately have had the opposite experience <laughs> with a lot of the people that I've worked with where it was like, it was almost like they had they could call themselves a really good teacher the minute that they made a child who was being quote unquote bad cry. Yes. And I just, I say this every, almost every time I do any kind of training or consulting about helping with behaviors is um, we have to move away from the punishment mindset. And if what you're deciding to do as a response to a quote unquote misbehavior is to think of the thing that I could do that would make them feel the worst or would make them feel bad, or would make them cry, then then you're in a punishment mindset, and you're not in a teaching mindset. Right. Um, right. I just, like, and so I when I used to run uh, a youth program for, it was more school-agers and teenagers, um, we were having a big staff meeting where I was trying to introduce the idea, I was pretty new as the boss, and I was trying to introduce the idea of taking a teaching um perspective instead of a punishment perspective when kids were doing what we didn't want them to do um, and reviewing what it is we expected and whether that was even realistic. Um, All I was trying to do was move them away from timeout because there was a whole lot of timeout happening or um, threatening that they couldn't do an activity. Um, And this woman who probably still pretty strongly hates me, even though this was years ago, because one time she said, I don't think 10-year-old Daniel should go on the field trip with us because he's not fit for society today. I was like, did Whoa. you hear the words that just came out of your mouth? That's like <laughs> school to prison pipeline in one sentence. Right. <laughs> right. But wow. In, but in the staff meeting, she was like, I disagree. I think we should do timeout because when I was a kid, there was nothing my parents could do that would upset me more than put me in timeout. Right. That's not what we're about. We are not trying to figure out what would upset them the most when they upset us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so and it's so confusing. It's so confusing whether or not we want to have these conflicts or whether or not we're desperately trying to avoid conflict altogether. Because I can tell you, I recently had a job interview with a um, with a well respected. (laughs) <laughs> nationally respected um, foster care program. 
in the state of Nebraska, in the city of Oklahoma. No, I, well, I mean, I want to okay. do foster care, but I had a job interview oh, okay. with a foster gotcha. where they take wards of the state and they live in group homes, okay. that kind of deal. Um, and I'm probably giving away a lot about this program, but if you know where I live, you probably know what it is. And But you didn't <laughs> uh, say it, so it's okay. Yeah, I didn't say it, so it's okay. They have, so they have all these group homes that are headed by married couples, um, and my job would have been to be in charge of the programs and the policies that are there for these couples. Um, And during this job interview, I was asked about this program that they have about demerit cards where everybody, now this is where these children live, live, not go to school, not, this is is where, yeah, this is where they sleep. Is this going to make me cry? They have to, they have to, they have to carry around demerit cards with them. Um, Anytime they do something bad, they, I, I'm not sure exactly how the demerit gets taken, but they made it seem like it was all electronic. That the parent, who is being, who is supposed to be a parent figure, right. takes the card, scans it, and then takes away points. Oh and then God. at the end, at the end of every week, these children can use these points to buy candy, <gasps> buy trips to the movies with their with their home parents, visitation, longer visitations with their parents. There's like so their, much wrong with this that I can back up with research. Right. <laughs> And so I was sitting there in this job interview because, I mean, I, obviously I have a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was going to be a second job that I was taking on. And he said, "Is like, what exactly, what would you do if um, a child tried to bargain away or tried to bargain with you about how many points you were taking away from their card? And I said, I would take the card and throw it in the Elkhorn River. <laughs> Because I don't really believe in that. I don't think that that's very research-based. And he says, "We well, I, I will let you know that we are a Thank research facility ourselves. <laughs> well, well, he tried to start an argument about it. And he said, we are a research facility ourselves, which gives away even more information about this program. Stop saying um, that and people will stop making connections. <laughs> Right. Well, I want them to because I really want people to go. Uh, but yeah, it was one of those things where I was just like, "This, I would not agree with this because right. it seems like a really stupid and unprofessional way <laughs> of avoiding conflict that would be healthy. It would be a healthy conflict. I can't think of any conflict that starts with a child that shouldn't end in a healthy way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like that's any that's conflict. That should always be our goal. It yeah, any amazing. conflict that's instigated by a child, I mean, it shouldn't be something that we shut down. It should be something that we let exist and play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just told this story a little bit earlier, but um, I just found out that when Josie was in high school, um, and I don't remember which class, and I don't remember the setup, but the teacher said to her, as if this was an insult, I can tell you've never been spanked. <laughs> And she was like, yeah, I've also never been in timeout and I've never been grounded. And, and, but, he, but he was saying that as like an insult because she had dared to push back or yeah, that's, some sort of, that's... of perspective or stand up for herself. And his response was, yeah, you've not, you've not had this urge punished out of you. Right. And enough. that's where I'm surprised she didn't say, I can tell you've never felt love. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, she just told me that a couple weeks ago um, because she knew. She got to a point where she was real tired of me coming in and going all mama winning on everybody. <laughs> so she just stopped telling me stuff like that till a sufficient time had passed <laughs> for her to, to tell me and know I couldn't do anything about it. Um, yeah. Well, so we're getting close to an hour. 
You got wow. any last stuff you need to sneak in? I know that felt that felt really fast. <laughs> that was a fast hour. Yeah, well, I guess the only thing I'd have to say is uh, think real long and hard about what place I'm talking about so you can give them an angry phone call <laughs> about their demerit system. Please, 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 please. In, <laughs> in which Travis hijacks the podcast. They, they also invited me for a second interview, which oh. I thought was interesting, but... Whatever, I They're didn't probably go. probably just going to put people behind glass and say, wait till you see what this guy thinks you can say in an interview and right. still get a job. Right. <laughs> right. They think they've got one up on you. Um, okay, so so read Dan's book. Get over it, it's called. That's my takeaway. That's my send-off All for right. people on this episode. And I think I'm looking at my notes, the things I've jotted down while you were talking. This episode might be called Wrist, Dip, Wrist Deep in Literal Shit. Good. Because that's Good just stuff. one of the notes I made here. Risk deep in literal shit. Don't let an administrator tell you anything about your job yeah. if you are risk deep in literal shit. Right. <laughs> Maybe suggest another time for the conversation. Right. All right. Correct. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks, Travis. It was fun to talk to you again. Seems like it's been a really long time. It has. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why you finally hounded me into it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So um, I also have to tell you that I got a couple messages in the last couple of weeks from people listening to the podcast saying that they missed you. So, oh, that's nice. So really, it's it's not me. It's the the voice of the people. Oh, that's not nice, but all right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Travis. And thanks you guys for listening to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. That's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks.